other intelligence agency in the universe. From Sarna.net. I'm your host tonight during the Super Wolf Blood Moon, Matthew Bloodlath Barons. Joining us tonight, we have, as so far, only Andrew, the Middle Krull. Welcome to the show. Good evening, Matt. How you doing? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing actually really good. It's been a relaxing weekend. Relaxing weekends are kind of nice. I had like a really late uh, Christmas, even today. Oh my. Yeah, it was about an hour away, but it turned out really nice. Saw some good family. But enough about that. Tonight, we have uniquely chosen a night that's going to have a super blood wolf moon. That's going to happen around 10.30 p.m.? Yeah, we're going to end up having to take a commercial break. So I'm actually going to wake the kids up and, and take them outside to go look at it. So it's like two degrees here. So it'll be a wake-up call for them. You going to put your long johns on? Yeah, they're already on. <laughs> well, I don't think I'm going to wake my kids up. They've been asleep for a couple hours now, so hopefully they'll stay asleep. But it is interesting that since we are tying in Wolfnet, Wolf Strigoons, and it's going to have be a super blood wolf moon tonight, we can howl at the moon when we take a commercial break. You know, we started adding commercials recently, and I really enjoy trying to make those, but they are tough not to laugh during during the making of them. <laughs> the, the, one that, the one that you did for... Um where you copied Conway, uh, what's his toes from uh, <laughs> Robot, Robot Jock? Man, that was that was epic. I, I I giggled at that one. That one was really good. Yeah, I I kind of want to start doing like a Motel Six kind of background, but it's it's, <laughs> it's fun looking at different aspects. Like you read some of the lore, and there's going to be a different one coming on about a certain cocktail that some factions drink. And that should be a new one that listeners haven't heard about yet that we may put into this one. Hey, we, uh, what was it, two weeks ago, there was something that came across the boards or, or someplace. It was a light PPC, oh, blue Caraco, citrus vodka, and the uh, uh, clear tequila. Yeah, it was a cocktail. I gotta go with, it wasn't good. It, it, it did not come out. I, I love the, the color was awesome. It looked really, really good. <laughs> Taste-wise, uh, that, was, that was pretty tough to stomach. Did, did you actually mix it yourself? Oh, yeah. We, we made it. A uh, shot of each. So, you know, basically it's a three-shot drink. Um, oh, in succession. Yeah, no, it was. it's mixed together. Oh, it's okay. a shot of blue Caraco, a shot of uh, citrus vodka, and a shot of uh, clear tequila. We didn't go with a Patron. It was a, a Jose. Oh, even a cat. Mix it together and fire it back. Not good. It, it just it, it didn't come out as well as I hoped it would. It didn't curdle. No, it didn't curdle. It just wasn't good. <laughs> I remember reading about um, who had the new ammunition in the auto cannons. Uh, Grayson's son. I remember reading his, Alex. Yes, I remember reading uh, 
his book not too long ago, and they were taking uh, lime and lemon juice with uh, some type of bourbon or some type of whiskey. So it was almost like a snake bite. And it was Fair. actually not terrible, but I don't think I would want to continue that through the night. Anyways. Yeah. Anyway. Moving along. Have you gotten your batch? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I ordered that, and I'm actually have been in contact with some of the folks that I know that are. Anyway, I, I've, I've been in contact with, with some various different organizations to try and secure a room. So, now what do you yeah, mean? I'm, what do you mean I'm by way se- down the line on that already. You mean by like securing a room for you and other fellow occupants that will be for I just want a room. Just if you're a vendor and you can secure an extra room for me, that's what I'm asking. Um, just because that is such a pain in the ass. It is. <laughs> I, I believe it is. I mean, with the number of the sheer magnitude of, of people who show up to Gen Con. I'm surprised there aren't people sleeping in cardboard boxes like just for Gen Con. Well, the, um, every year that I've been there, I mean, the interesting thing is if you walk through the gaming hall at a really late hour, you will see people sleeping in chairs. I mean, I think I'm, I'm almost positive there are people that go to Gen Con or with a four-day pass that do not have a place to stay. And they just fall where they fall. Yeah, some people are that dedicated or just, you know, don't have the capital. And, uh, well, I don't even know if it's just the capital. It's just, it's it's that difficult finding a place. And it's just, it's such a pain in the ass. Yeah, because who wants to travel like 15 to 20 minutes to get, you know, to and from the, the convention hall? So I did get, um, I did order my badge, although I still have that risk of I don't know if I'll be able to attend. And the nice thing is, is that they offer a refund you know, a couple months before that, who knows, I really hope I don't have to. That's bullshit. You need to be there. Just hands down, don't even play that game with me because we're doing our cadet event again. I know. We're I, only going to do it once. I, I'm not going to try and um, I do love the cadet stop event. That up. I, I do love the cadet event. I want to make sure that uh, we can have that and I, I can be available to help out. You know, sometimes I think the cadet event is more fun than some of any other thing at the, at the, at the Gen Con because you're actually giving back to the community. You're actually, <clears throat> you're not necessarily trying to sell something. I don't. Well, I don't really think. It's, I, I think it's trying are, to. Right. I mean, you're, you're still you're still selling the game of BattleTech. I mean, the, the main um, the main premise is to provide a learning environment that is educational. It's accurate and it's fun. And if if say having to purchase tickets so we can pay for some of the minis that we give away. That's that helps us. I mean, with terrain things, you know, we have to kind of try and get something back for the amount that we put into it. Well, it's that the first year that was an issue. Last year, Catalyst sponsored everything. 
as because we were running under the catalyst banner. And for those of you well, that were there for the first year and the second year, because I think the second year, what was there? Four, five returners who brought two or three other returners. I think we had five new people. Yes. So we had seven. We had seven people who had been there or had brought extras with. And if you guys are listening to the podcast, that's fantastic. You guys secure tickets again. You know, reach out to me. You guys have got my email. Reach out to me right away and say, hey, we bought, you know, seven or eight tickets. We'll try and come up with something new if you want. We'll work with you. You know, whatever. But um, we're going to do one event again this year and the cadet program. And it was fun to have uh, couples. <clears throat> and and friends, uh, there was like a group of four that was there as well. Uh, I had a group of eight. Oh, geez. I I had a group of eight, and did you or you or Thomas? You guys had there was the uh, two. There was a group of four younger guys. I had, and there was the yeah. standalone uh, military dude who yeah, I had just had, been introduced to Alpha Strike. I had so been with five. the younger. So I had we had seven returners or part of that return group from the first year. Yeah, I had the younger four guys. I think Tommy had the, the veteran or the military service member. And that and was three and three of the returners are our are, are core group so far, if you will. And they're still mad excited about about getting uh, getting a little bit of payback too about uh, hey, we're gonna we're gonna beat you this year. Like Oh, Dude, good. I hope you that do. group that group that we played against, Aaron, he's an idiot. He, we got trounced. <laughs> we got trounced. Who, who's an idiot? Aaron. Well, sometimes he likes to jump. I give him some credit. He likes to that jump douche, in. That douchebag lost two heavies and two assaults in like two <sighs> rounds. Come on. When the he dice tried. are cold, the dice are cold. Tommy! Tommy! <laughs> Tommy, the silent sea Raven Kruger, how are you? Uh, good. Now that I'm got all my stuff squared away. And you, all right. So, and, and you note to the editors. No, note to the editors. We got to get Tommy. That's the mark, okay? Because we didn't do the click. Yep. No problem. All right. You sound fantastic too with your nice computer. Yeah, yeah. my computer is way better now and than prepared. any of ours. It's way better than any of ours. So, uh, what you guys are talking about, I think, uh, I, I agree with Andrew on this one. Uh, Aaron screwed the pooch. Um, we're no, he's hard, not, no, he's not no here to defend help. himself. So his uh. ass is going under the bus. <laughs> I'll at least put, I, I'll at least say he showed up. Yeah. Finally, after I scrambled like hell to try and find sheets. Well, he can make up for it this year. Gonna, I'm going to come with everything already done. You guys won't need to bring... You guys will only need to bring the op force. I will have cadet mechs. I will have everything done so that we're not scrambling. We'll, we'll remind Aaron to bring his, too, this time. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. I, 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 he, was, he was so worried trying to get everything lined up that I think he just... I mean, he was he was trying to move, and he was he was doing a lot of stuff. That I don't want to hear the excuses. I, he left early too, so facts. And he had that stupid wedding. Stupid. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm very I'm very happy for whoever couple got married. However, comma, 
If if you're like a, a game game business owner of a, a game shop, that is a huge drawback. Taking time away from a a convention, so. But hey, right, let's, the, at least get on track. At least the let's miniatures look nice. That's all. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the miniatures look really nice. Busted my ass on that. <clears throat> I know you did. Good job. That's why you were so busy too. So, Tommy, Tommy, here's here's what you missed. Do you have your badge? Do I have my badge? Uh, no, not yet. Get on that, will you? Uh, it's it's in the mail. Should be anyway. I hope it you is. Bought, oh, you bought your you so bought you your badge already. Correct. Correct. Oh, okay, oh, that's fine. that was by you've acquired your badge. I, I apologize. I should have reworded the question to. Is your badge up in the air, flying gracefully? <laughs> Guys, I, I checked here. out. I checked out Origins too. I've never been to Origins, and I'd like to do Origins once. Where's that? The problem. The problem is that always overlaps our annual Canadian fishing trip. We go to Canada and fish for a week. We fly in. We're in the middle of friggin' nowhere. <laughs> there for a week, and we come home. And Origins always overlaps the weekend that we go. They are dead sold out of any hotel within five miles of the of, of the center where it's being held. I think you can still get tickets or whatever, but I just looked at it and I was like, oh my god, that's just outrageous. I seem to remember that every time we would walk to and from your hotel room to the convention center, it seemed like 20 miles. <laughs> yeah, and it's only like six blocks, but it's so effing hot. Well, maybe you, know, you should uh, take interest in like a Segway or something. Maybe I should just lose some weight and not be so goddamn fat. Dude, 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 you should bring a, a mountain bike. <laughs> You could even you could even put like a, a license plate that says like flea on it or Jenner. Screw you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh it, it could be a dart. Shut up. <laughs> I bet I could make some myomer strands that kinda look like they're going around the, You're the frame. Not being funny anymore. <laughs> okay. Uh. Yeah, I got I got the badge ready. Um, awesome. I'm making some plans on figuring out. Uh, and I've I already requested the vacation already, so yeah, I'm you're all. Guaranteed. You're guaranteed. Yeah, I just have to. Uh, as long as I put the vacation in, vacation request in, and and whatnot, usually it's accepted. So. And just for your listeners to know that. Sometimes you really have to juggle all of these things in order to get to the event, but it is well worth it. I mean, you're looking at putting some money aside to save. You're looking at, you know, long-haul transportation. You're looking at some place you need to stay or swindle, deal something. You know, whether I'm working on like- swindle, deal something. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> so where was where is Origins at? Origins, I believe it's in Cincinnati. Cincinnati. And then just getting the time off from a job and or B job, plus you know making sure that your family's going to be okay while you're gone. It with the boss. 
Yes. The ultimate commander. And not to mention, like, oh, hey, you got to juggle, like, drill schedule or military duty schedule. Plus, she's she's affectionately known as the CEO. <laughs> Jess, CEO. Yeah. Well, Jess, CEO. Of Kroll Enterprises. Of Kroll Family. <laughs> well, not, that not fishing ship that you were talking about, at least you get it unplug. It's it, it's really nice. I mean, it. we're in the middle. Uh, seriously, we're in the middle of nowhere. There isn't another person within 100 miles of us. No cell phone, no nothing. That sounds like my kind of place. It's, yep. it's completely and utterly. I'm a computer guy by trade. By about the third and a half day, my fingers are starting to curl over because I haven't touched the keyboard. So, I mean, it's really good to just get away, unplug. Yep. I don't have the opportunity to sit behind a screen. It, it's it's good stuff. Do you, do you take any miniatures with you, or at least a book? Aaron, I actually I actually built. Get this, I actually built a clipboard and I glued on a metal backing to it, and I reprinted map sheets at eight and a half by twelve, so it could go on this clipboard. And I bought magnetic magnet. Just uh, like uh, thumbtack, not thumbtacks, but the Industrial plastic magnets, things yeah. that you could stick on a on a deal. Only they were magnetic, and we labeled them one, two, three, four, and we had it different in colors, so that we could play Battletech in the car <laughs> on the way up because it's it's a twenty one hour drive to get to where we go before we fly. So yeah, I've gone to extreme lengths to make that work. That's crazy. Yeah, and I got nothing else to do. Might as well roll well, some dice. It'd be pretty funny to watch you two like whittle sticks together and try and get a fire going. That's not that bad. <laughs> Ignite the blowtorch. Flame on. I, I, I'm a fire. I'm a pyro by by trade. Oh, so I know you would be. I I can't. I it, fire's not very far away from me. I can't say anything. I I blew stuff up in the military, so. Fair enough. He knows how to start fires better than I do. I told you. Did I ever tell you guys about the time that I knocked my two-year-old over? What? Sure you want to tell that story? Yeah. It's a fantastic story. <laughs> I'm at my, you, you guys have been at, have you guys, you guys are driven by my dad's place. He has that fire pit in the middle of the yard, right underneath the flag. And it was full. We were at the, we were home for the weekend. Dad said, light it up. <laughs> Perfect. I love lighting fires, right? I dumped gas and diesel and a whole bunch of shit on that thing, and I knew it was going to blow big, right? So I'm laying on the ground an arm's length away from the barrier, and I lit that thing, and it went, and my son, who was 25 yards away, he was two, he got knocked down. I'm laying on the ground, laughing my ass off. I singed, I, I feel bad about this. I singed the bottom of the POW flag, which was 25 feet up in the air. I singed the bottom of the flag. I put a little too much on, but yeah. I Fire and me, we have a good time. Yeah, they should have like put you in the movie like Bird instead of that little kid. 
So anyways, let's talk about new things that are coming out. We've got tons of new stuff coming out. Um, oh, apparel. lots of stuff. Lots We've of stuff. got apparel coming out. What, the 23rd of January this year, we have uh, 35-year anniversary Battletech sweatshirts and t-shirts with a Warhammer on the front. Anybody buys the 4XL, I'm going to be pissed because I'll probably only have one. <laughs> they do every year. <laughs> you know, speaking of 4XLs, somebody got me that for Christmas uh, back actually in December instead of this month. Uh, they had picked me up a real nice uh, black t-shirt. Uh, the, uh, the armor and the armor diagram for the original armor diagram. Yeah. The, the I've seen the shirt. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Guess what size it came in. Small. I know what size, so I'm not saying. 4XL. Just let your wife watch it. She'll shrink it. It's fine. Well, the, the, here's the interesting thing. Who else wears a 4X? I do. Guess what you're going to get at Gen Con. <laughs> hey, by the way, uh, <laughs> I really need to see you guys because Christmas finally showed up for you guys. Let's just say you're going to be surprised. I, I I did really well. I'm, I'm saying I went really well. I gave Max and Tim theirs this weekend. Um, they fell over. It's pretty awesome. So I got some shit for you. They start quivering on the ground? Pretty much. It was pretty awesome. I can't wait to do the flopping chicken. They they turned out really nice. So. Nice. How many hours did you spend on those? Uh, I spent two and a half months tracking the guy down to get me the shit out of Russia. So, oh. <clears throat> Russia. You went the, you went the yeah, rescue they, route, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was the only place I could get them, and they turned out really, really well. They turned out pretty well. They're they're not as nice as what the originals were, but um, they got the job done. I'm happy with them. You guys should be happy with them too. So. This is intriguing. Now I really am wondering what it is. So, for those, if, if Alexander's listening, hey, thank you. Sorry to be a, such a bother, but um, so far, they've been well-received. Thank you. If he's like, listening, are they like Michelle? Well, you were asking about that for what mech we want to ride, right? That's a whole different, that's a whole different game. Oh, no. What did you do? Nothing. That's okay. for me. Well, if I end up with, like, some kind of government service at my door asking about Russia, I'm going to point them right to you. Oh, God, no. No, no, no. Nothing like that. It's absolutely nothing like that. And I'm going to ask him if I can still keep merchandise. <laughs> I've got this, but I want to keep it. Okay. So, uh, so there's apparently a new comic that might come out. You guys remember the old comic books? You ever see any? I know I've I had a couple. I've seen them. I've been. I, I thought about acquiring a couple. I just never pulled the trigger on them. Now I did pick up not all of them, but you know, back in the day, like twenty years ago, I picked up a few that were flying around. Um, and now they're getting kind of expensive, so I was kind of happy that I got a few of them. Uh, but now there's this. Uh, they were talking about. A new one with uh, the diamond diamond sharks coming out with a broken teeth comic book. I like it. I and heard of that. That's pretty cool. 
there was a, a thread with a diamond shark dragonfly or viper sitting on a tarmac with the pilot standing out in front of it, you know, 20 yards. And then it has laid out just like the old aircraft uh, military style layout of all the arms and munitions it could load out with laying out in front of it. And that is really an awesome image. And I can't wait uh, to see the development of this comic book. I don't think it's breathing yet. I think it's, I think they're talking about getting it published possibly, but I want to find out more. So we're going to keep an eye on that. And, And since the game shop is also a comic book shop, now you have possibly a series of comic books that can come out two for one. And that's a win. Yeah, I'm and not, plus I'm, I'm not seeing I'm not seeing anything available on the interwebs that Yeah, it's not out there yet. Yeah. But it's it's just a talk of like something coming, the up and coming, the next thing. And uh <clears throat> I'd be I'm dumb. A, That'd be I'm cool. A, I'm a big fan of uh, the Viper. I like the A twelve eight and maybe a PBC. So, and I just like the look of it. It's just unique and kind of odd. So, what do you think? Do you, do you think that people would pick up a, another comic book that it's, have not it's, that have not been you know it's tech? it's not a genre. It's it's not a thing that I've ever really been into so I don't know if I can necessarily speak to it I could I could you know watching some people coming in and out of the comic book shops I could <clears throat> I could see them maybe turning towards Battletech if they did see the comic book and found a, a medium to transition and or still continue to do both if they wanted to get into something different with tabletop, so I, it's possible. Um, but I am certainly going to be hooked by it when it comes out. I know that for sure. Uh, Speaking of new stuff that's coming out, did anybody buy the uh, the the pre pack for Mech uh, Warrior Five from Piranha Games? Ooh, there's a cricket. I don't know what that's about. That's not good. I, I don't think we did. Oh, I, I uh, so you know, Sarna published a, a an article on it. Um, they they've got a, a pre-sale going on right now for Warrior Five, which will be, I, I think, a, a titch level better than Warrior Online as far as graphics go, but it'll be a new mech simulation combat game. Um got three different tiers for pre-purchase. Um, all of them have an inclusion to MechWarrior Online. Um, not something I have ever played. Um, I've never played a MechWarrior Online. I don't foresee myself really ever playing MechWarrior Online. It's not bad. <laughs> well, I run Linux at home. Um, I don't have a Windows machine. and I'm not going <laughs> to install a Windows box just to do that. So... Um, that was one of the biggest reasons why I kickstarted um, the BattleTech Alpha or the, the the game that's out right now. That was 
one of the biggest reasons why I kickstarted that game was because there was going to be Linux support for it. Um, I can tell you that it works on my Linux machine. I've played games. Um, but again, I'm, it brings up that conversation we've had numerous times, even in this podcast of, I would rather play tabletop. Um, I like the game, the, the new patch, it speeds it up. It's okay. I still prefer tabletop. Um, I just call me old because I am, I mean, you're old. I'm getting old. Uh, I, I like the, I like the personal interaction and, and the jaw jacking and, and the things that happen when, when I'm with another individual. So I don't know. Anyway, another like thing that's coming, another thing that's coming out, right? I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff coming available here by Wednesday. I mean, you mentioned the 35th anniversary. Yeah. Um, I also yeah. believe that the new box set will be available for purchase through the catalyst store on Wednesday. Um, which means the fire bases, um, which are game stores. If you're ever listening to this and you hear about a firebase, when a catalyst agent is talking about a firebase, that's a game store where we can run games. So your firebases or your flags um, should be having the box set, both beginner box set and the introductory box set being available here shortly. So be on the lookout. Um, I got, I was fortunate enough to be able to get both box sets at Gen Con. Um, I highly recommend them both. Um, the miniatures alone, while not as many oh, yeah. as I would have liked to have seen in the box but set, but very they good are fantastic. They are excellent quality. Um, I can't, I'm almost afraid to paint them because I'm afraid that I'll do something to them that's irreversible. But I need to get over that. <clears throat> you know, they had a they had a thing here on Facebook here not too long ago. One company was doing a best wargaming um, tabletop game, and I believe Battletech won it. Um, but one of the things that has constantly come up in the argument between and this was, these were the front runners for the tabletop game, was Battletech in 40K. Oh, yeah. 40K, hands down, they do have absolutely beautiful miniatures. Oh, yes. Um, And consistently, every miniature they have ever put out in the last 10 years have been phenomenal miniatures. I have... A few of them still sitting on the shelf waiting for me to decide whether I'm going to put them together or not. That being said, the new box set miniatures, I believe, or I personally believe, are very close to and have really brought the level up as far as quality of the miniature and detail work. Um, we're starting to approach, we're starting to come to a parody. Um, I don't think we're fully there yet, but the box set miniatures are, are a massive step forward. I'll second that because 
you know, the, the difference you see between this new box set miniatures and the last two or three sets is hugely different. <clears throat> um, take, for instance, the Hunchback. Um, the Hunchback miniature has had notoriously, like, thin thigh-leg components that look like they should just break off. And now you're getting into this beefier, more solid weight miniature form, and it's, it's, it's really given that miniature a presence on the tabletop. You know, instead of like, oh, it looks like I could just blow this over and it looks like it would break uh, without me even touching it with a stiff, stiff breeze. And I'm so glad that they've, you know, pushed that initiative to innovate, to continuously improve, to give something to us we need and want. And changing the leaders has helped that phenomenally. And, you know, who do you always see in the front running of leadership at, at Catalyst? Who's, who's the man who's got fire and look a little bit of craziness in his eyes when you're looking through the tables? Hands down, Brett Evans. Yep. He, you know, when he came into the scene and he said, hey, he, he put out a post to, to the demo agents that is a, it's another separate piece on the forum. I said, hey, look, I've taken things over and we're going to make shit happen. And I, I'll be honest with you, I talked with him at Gen Con and there's another product that is going to be available here shortly. And that is the neoprene mats. Maps, yeah. new maps yes, that yes, are yes, double sided. Yes, 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 they're yes, yes, neoprene, -sided. so they're they're like the what you would consider for those that play Magic or those that have played a card game. The mats that you lay out that you can buy and lay out in front of you. They are putting out a new map product that's double sided on a neoprene. They are the same size. They will work with regular map sets that are that have already been produced. We had a, a product at Gen Con that was a, a, a prototype, and I'm, I'm thankful. Brent, thank you for making that happen. He, he told us at Gen Con, I'm going to make this happen, and the announcement came through that it is going to come through. Um, I'm, I'm thankful for that. They are an awesome product. I think that they will be a very neat thing to do. Um, personally i think they're great on a personal uh, for me personally i don't know if i'll use them that much just because after playing alpha strike i am a huge fan of non-hexes right because that's just that's just terrain and lines that just kind of meld and they, they well for me for me the the whole thing with hexes and non-hexes is ter is terrain and buildings. It's so restrictive. When you're doing hexes, right, that hex represents 30 meters. So there's there's an abstraction of 30 meters in this one and a quarter inch hex. Whereas hexless in Alpha Strike, what is on the board is what is on the board. It takes up the amount of space that is on 
this space. Things yeah, there's no, visually there's no look better. Um, and I, it's it's a mind thing. I get it, and I know, but it's a mind thing that I have a that, that I trip over. I, I stutter on a hex base, on a hex map now. <laughs> I think that you're absolutely right. The the terrain features on Alpha Strike of just throwing stuff out there. It works better. It's less restrictive. You're not having players spend 15 turns trying to get their movement just right where they can optimize their 5 to 8 hexes or whatever movement they require. And you've sat there, I've sat there, or we've done it ourselves where it's like, I can't quite make it there because I can't make the hex work for me. Using the tape measure and just having the freedom to skirt around stuff is a lot more beneficial. That all being said, I will still stand by Battletech and its rule system because it has survived and is still relevant today as it was 35 years ago. Yep, using those hex-based maps during Classic is still very decent to play. It doesn't always... It's not really going to let you down. I mean, it's still relevant. It still sticks to the tradition of, you know, this is this is the way it's formatted, and it works well. It, 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 there's not a real bad thing about it. There's not very many times where you've noticed that, oh, the hex, you know, the hex screwed me out of the shot. Like, no, you just, you obviously didn't judge the terrain that well. You didn't plan far enough ahead. Right. And it's tough planning three, four turns ahead when one of your system fails like a jump shit. And now it's like, oh, I just now have to recalculate everything. Like, yeah, take your time, hurry up. Hey, now getting, we, getting back if to you guys want to, we played a game last night. Um, I'm currently reading um, Masters of War, a Dark Age novel by Stackpole. And the Badgers, it's a mercenary unit, was battling uh, Clan Wolf on Baxter in Prefecture 9. And it was, there was a, <laughs> it was a very small company. And they talked about a a single mad cat coming over the hill. Well, I took the mechs that were were available to the unit. Two fleas, a mercury, two commandos, two mongooses, and a Hermes. Eight mechs. Basically all four fives, a couple three fours, eight mechs. Versus a Timberwolf A at a 3-4. There were eight mechs that were within two, negative 200, 100 points of a Mad Cat A. Let me restate that. Eight mechs minus 200 BV compared to a Inner Sphere veteran Mad Cat A. And it was a chase. 
we had one mech that, that everybody had to come on the map in the middle of one half. It was two map map sets, short sides put together. And the eight, we had four mechs come on the table on one end, and they were had the MacGuffin, this thing that they had to get off the table. And we had four mechs coming from the opposite side to reinforce, and a mad cat coming in behind said light lance. <clears throat> and we used um, shielding movement yes. as, as, a, very, very as a, just a to test or whatever. It was rough. It was a it was a bloodbath. A lot of fun. <laughs> it it took it, it took us playing two rounds for the clan player for the guy running one guy running the clan mech to go, hey, this might actually work. You know, when you start looking at a single mech going up against eight. But when those Yikes. mechs have a combined output of maybe 15 points apiece, if they hit with everything, right, It's it begins to, to be very interesting. Um, we took him down. Finally, he ran directly up. I was able to surround him, and we kicked him to death, and, and we, we, we got off the table. I will adjust the scenario for the next time around. We're going to do um, the canyon map sheets, and we're going to do four mechs and two coming on as reinforcements and see how that plays without shielding movement. Because the, the objective was we had to get the MacGuffin off. If the mech that was carrying the MacGuffin was shot and killed or, or was dropped, a mech could pick up said object by standing still next to the carcass, and then you'd have it, and then you could do move it. Um, we didn't have that happen. We could have it happen, but the interesting thing at that point would be is whether the Mad Cat could kill all mech in one round while they were standing still. So it's it, it's getting into the whole instead of doing this kill everybody satisfy an objective. Yes. That I'm I'm really trying to come up with and and work out scenarios that are let's achieve an objective versus kill everybody. Now granted, kill everybody that can be useful at times. But I really want to get into this more how do I achieve objectives type of thing. So it was it was very interesting watching Tim work through the I've only got one mech and you've got eight. And then after the end of round two, him going, Hey, I might actually be able to get this pulled through. Um it, it was a it was a neat a neat progression for me as a, as a person who put it together and, and play testing that as a GM. Yeah, it was it was it was interesting to see. So that was the most recent game. Oh, it's been a while. I don't know. Did we talk about the underwater game? No. <sighs> uh, okay. So I will preface this. We played. We played uh, the uh, historical turning points. The Galtor campaign, the first mission, where the Draconis Combine sent a lance of mechs 
to take out an underwater command and control facility at depth 15. And we fought against five Neptunes. Submarines. Submarines. One killer, one hunter killer, and the other four standards. And they came in in waves. Let's just, uh, I'll preface this as, don't take mechs underwater. <laughs> we want it, they, they, but it was ugly as like, all get out. Um, they pop like beer cans. But it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was very interesting. We'd never done that before, um, but it was a lot of fun. If you get the chance to play that game, it's one map sheet. We used random shit to cover the Neptunes. We didn't have Neptune miniatures. But um, if you get a chance as a gaming group to play that, highly recommend playing it. It was very interesting. It was a learning experience. It was all of those things. It was, it was a lot of fun. Okay. What, what, what did you use for replicating the, the Neptunes? Oh, uh, Max had a couple of just weird little transformer cars or something that we used to, to represent the Neptunes on the map sheet. Um, okay, because uh, hearing this first thing, like, oh, we randomly put some stuff down for the Neptunes. I First thing I thought was, you probably had some, like, half-eaten Twinkies used as Neptunes. Jesus, no. <laughs> if we were going to do anything, it'd be pennies and dimes, but no food was used as a counter. Uh, what about the Twinkie? <laughs> I, did, I don't eat Twinkies, Twinkies anymore. <laughs> I've eaten enough in my previous lives that... Uh, fatness needs to go away. Well, at least they're not snowballs. Not a coconut fan, so... I love that idea. Underwater. It was it was wild. It was very, <clears> very wild. Yellow. Now, I'm, now you know, after that game, we, we were talking about now, what other wild shit could we try? So, you know, I don't think... I think I've maybe played one or two games in a vacuum. So that'll be that'll be something I'll be trying to come up with a game for. Um, Tommy, didn't you play in a vacuum? I did. That's how I lost. I'm sorry. Gentlemen, gentlemen, I want to inform you that I was just notified. Oh, the blood moon. said moon... Is starting to turn red. Do you want to do it mid, or you want to? Do, you got to wake your kids up, right? My kids are already up. They've been up for a little while oh. already. So um, I would like to go look at it. Um, the next one is in twenty twenty one. I think that's coming up, but it's not a super wolf blood moon. Um, since we're Wolfnet, um, all right, ladies we, and gentlemen, we need to go look at it. So we are going to take. A let's take. Let's take 15 minutes or so. We're going to take a commercial break, and we'd like yeah. to share you with our sponsors, the Fusionaires. Fusionaires! I like it. And we will come right, back. We'll be back. We'll be back in 15. We'll be back in 15 with some more Wolfnet Radio. Thanks, guys. Are you stuck on some backwater planet away from
from the home worlds. Galaxy Commander got you down in a circle of equals. Coupling partner not noticing your new Omnimech pod package in the cache anymore. Have we got what you need? It's a fusion air. Not only is it cold and refreshing, it won't pack out of pounds like an inner sphere Zerac couch potato. It will give you that ferocious equal quality and attract only the most qualified couplers. You might even be able to maintain that drive all the way to Terra. Keep reaching for the stars and your six-pack of fusion airs today! And welcome back to the show. You just listening to our Fusion Air commercial uh, brought to you by uh, some people that don't do very good commercials. So <laughs> um, we'll work on that, uh, especially trying to get out of the, the clanner type ego and maybe into some mercenary stuff later on. But uh, continuing on, um, so Tommy, uh, you haven't really been reading anything uh, lately, you said, but um, I had picked up uh, Wolfpack again. Uh, it's been a long time since I've read Wolfpack. But I really enjoyed um, getting into the, the Cameron Lame Cameron name with um, uh, a low-key pilot that comes fresh out of the Brian, Brian Cameron Brian or Ryan? Brian Brian yeah Brian he comes fresh out of the Sipco and starts getting into as a, as a combo combo guy for Jamie Wolf the command Lance pretty neat um, and there were some parts of that book that I probably read once or twice a long time ago and I read them you know a completely different way this time uh, that's what I love about rereading a book is you miss some things and you pick some things up differently every time and that's what keeps me involved with rereading so we've been talking about um, the fourth succession war we're kind of jumping around with our show notes because they're kind of leading into other things. And this is, like, that book is kind of set after um, the Succession well, Wars. Wolfpack, I mean, Wolfpack is quite a ways past. Yeah. It's in 30, yeah, 50 it's 51 or 51, 52. And then Succession Wars were 3028 to 3030. So pretty close to that, yeah. Yeah. And at that time, they were still dealing with... Uh, Wall Street goons were tying into the Dracos Combine uh, front and taking pressure off uh, they're taking pressure off uh, the Dabians well it was actually a, a, a coup really for Hans Davian yeah. in being able to pull the Dragoons into you know his, his employ at that time because they had garnered the complete and utter um, infatuation, if you will, of Takashi Kirita in the slight of dishonor that he felt was done to him and his house by the Dragoons um, that he felt they needed to be eradicated. <laughs> um, yeah, they said what death when, to all mercenaries. Yeah, death uh, that brought on the death to mercenaries and the and their draconis combine. Um, but the the single minded pointedness of how their draconis combine uh, uh, 
after the Dragoons on on Harrow's son, on uh, Glamora, on Crossing, and trying to just take them completely out really allowed Davian to focus on the conquering of the Capellan Confederation. Um, That's right. You know, the the whole the whole shared border of the Federated Sons and the Draconis Combine was brought down to four worlds while the whole Capellan thing was going on. So, you know... That's pretty tight. <laughs> their goons paid a very heavy blood price for that. Um, well, yeah, they got knocked down to five regiments. Well, they went from five regiments down to, like, about two battalions. Oh. And seeded the world of outreach um, where... The I think they reconstituted Beta first and sent Beta out to keep the name rolling. Um, Beta got hammered in their first outing. At that point, the Black Widow Battalion was ready to go. They were sent out and to kept to keep the name rolling, and that was quite frankly the unbeknownst to the Inner Sphere. Um, their first glance at clan tactics, well, clan organization, not clan tactics, but clan organization. True, because, because basically when you think of the Dragoons as a mercenary unit, they, I mean, they were basically all free birth, almost to the man. Not entirely. But uh, almost, but the almost. majority, the majority of the forces that made up the Dragoons were free birth warriors, um, there were a number of trueborn warriors. There were a number of Goliath Scorpion Seekers that came with, um, that, that masqueraded as Dragoon mercenaries from the clans. Well, there's um, a bunch of uh, Novacad in there, too. Yes. Elementals. Yes. There, there, was, I mean, there, was, there was a smattering of a lot of trueborn warriors that came with and that was that was kind of the, the hard part later in thirty fifty where you know like uh, was it Mackenzie Wolf that got killed in a cache exchange trying to get back some old ships and you had a lot of trueborns that were basically you know basically overthrowing and trying to get power of the dragoons. Well, that was kind of was a very that whole transition period. Wolfpack as far as the Dragoon history goes, is a very unique story that's specific to the Dragoons based on where they came from and the way the clans operated. At 3055, uh, when they had started taking um, bondsmen in the battles of Luthien and other battles where they had fought clan warriors, well, I mean, they were they were brought to Luthien to defend Luthien yeah. against the uh, Smoke Jaguars and, and Novakats. But they brought back Bondsmen. Um, the unique situation there is is that the clans had been oh the Dragoons had been away from the clans long long enough. Oh, fifty where years. A lot of the 
the way the warrior cast worked was was very different within the dragoons than what it was in the clans. Oh yeah, they by bringing about that. those bondsmen in, the bonds and giving them the opportunity to become warriors in in working that aspect of the clan of of the way the clans work, it it was kind of a perfect storm when it came. It destabilized. Yeah, and it's it was. And the book talks directly on that, where, you know, the Dragoons have been away from the clan. 3019 was their last contact. Traditions for, what, 50, 50, 60 some years or something like that. Well, and 3019 was their last contact. It was the last time they ran back. That They they didn't run back, but they went back to the clan homeworlds for a resupply. And that's when Jerome Winston gave them the directive that they were to prepare the inner sphere for the clan invasion. And that was <laughs> the last contact they had directly with the clans at that point. So by 3055, you know, roughly 50 years um, that they were independent, so to say. But, you know that was that's been the one thing that always drew me to the clans, or not to the clan, to Wolf's Dragoons <laughs> was the fact that they came from the clans, and that that whole structure, their the whole society was so different. And you you pulled this nucleus out of that structure and dumped them back into their sphere. They were really a family unto themselves. They could oh, really yeah. only look to the person to the left and to the right, and know that. They all came from the same place. Now, that all being said, when you look at um, the, the, the the direction that they took with Deacon Frazier, you know, Deacon Frazier right. was a Dragoon That's orphan. Basically a spy. Too. No, he was not. Well, he was a spy yes. at Kirita, but yeah, yeah. the way he came up in the Dragoons was he was an orphan taken from yep. the Four Secession War when the Dragoons were rebuilding on outreach in 3029, 3030. And he was a part of the clan that had basically seeded into the... the he was never clan. Combine. He was always Intersphere. He was an Intersphere orphan. But he, he was, was raised in, in, in like a Sibco within yeah. the Dragoons and became, you know, a full-fledged warrior, became a, a company commander. And, you know, through no fault of his own, just through combat, and attrition, you know, he got elevated to a position where he ended up partaking in what is now called Resolution Day on November 11th for the Dragoons, where the Dragoons decided that they were going to turn their back on. No, I'm sorry. I take that back. He was part of the vote to leave Kirita employment, but it was very, it was the, the, that conclave was ran very much very similar to um, a clan conclave where you had a lore master, where you, the, the terminology of Sela, where the yeah, and an oath master and an oath master. It was he didn't understand what was going on because he had been promoted so quickly. He never went through the integration process. He just kind of got showed up and. It was interesting hearing his comments through that process. Um, 
you know, he went with the person to his left and to the right because he trusted them, not knowing fully what he was doing. But I found that very interesting in that he partook and he voted along with those that were to the left and to the right simply because he trusted them. And that is, was uh, that was the philosophy that they promoted. Is, is Jess calling for bedtime? Say it again. Is Jess calling for bedtime? No, she's screaming at the dog. She's screwing around with <laughs> kids upstairs and fighting with the dog. It's just chaos. Quit barking at the dark at the blood moon. <laughs> so yes, you bring up some really good, interesting dialogue and and, and excerpts <clears throat> from those those books, those sources. <clears throat> and it's really interesting to see the difference at how given like a clan warrior, trueborn that goes away from the traditions can alter their basically laxes their traditionalism and then you have like freebirds that do the same thing but they become more the norm like mercenaries and, and seeing the, the, the difference between how you take one person and it, it changes their lifestyle to be put into the complete opposite of what they're used to it's really fun reading about the external and the internal conflicts in those novels where you know, Jamie Wolf struggles with, you know, keeping the dragoons going and seeing how they're changing between free birth and true birth and mercenary and, and the clans and struggling to protect and yet, you know, survive and some interesting, interesting stories. And that's just a, a, a smidget. It's just a piece of the whole the history of the fiction. It's just, it really makes you think of, about how how the lore is captivating for some readers and listeners. Well, quite frankly, it was one of the hardest things that I ever had to, to stomach and actually try and get my brain to work around was the first time that I played with <laughs> Craig. Was Craig made oh, yeah. a comment, I don't care about the lore. And I was like, then why are you even rolling dice? But... You know, taking a step back, you know, it is a game. And, yeah. But for me, you know, I started reading the story. Well, he comes from the Mech Warrior side, he comes from the video game side. And he's just getting into the, the source books, the lore a little bit. But, I mean, his, his focal point is, well, I'm not, who knows what the focal what I can see and maybe guess is that his focal point is the mechs and the skill of piloting and uh, maneuvering and tactics, you know, the, the in the cockpit play. And then you, you come from, like you said, the beginning of the lore, the storylines, the build up, the, the personnel and the, character structure and it's so neat to see the difference in opinions on how things working don't go together or can you know semi work together or have a great time and have fun and it all works it's really interesting to see that uh, take play 
dice. Or not. <laughs> We're just like, I don't believe you. Just roll the dice. And if we can just share some of all the different sides and opinions, somebody will be able to latch on to that aspect and find and enjoy uh, something in Battletech or, or Alpha Strike or the lore or the, or the, the, the video game. Uh, that's really interesting. Now there's, there's another there's another aspect that is interesting is um, you talked about the Goliath Scorpions, right? Uh, that leads into one of our other topics of you were saying that there was a a Goliath Scorpion book or set that's coming from Catalyst. Yep, the Catalyst has a series. Um, called um, Spotlight On, and one of the new products, I think it was released today, maybe yesterday, was the Crimson Seeker Star from Goliath Scorpion. Um, to to iterate very, very quickly, um, Goliath Scorpions um, ingested um, Necrosia, which is a venom from the Goliath Scorpion, which they believed gave them the ability to see visions. And these visions, um, Goliath Scorpion was, was very, there, there was, there's a sect within Goliath Scorpion that is all about finding relics and relics being from the Star League era. And they would use Necrosia to find or to experience these visions of finding said relics. Well, the Crimson Seeker Star was um, led by the Sakan of Goliath Scorpion for, uh, you know, 50 plus years. And because of its success and what they were able to do, it's been continued. Um, neat little, neat little backstory. Um, uh, it, it gives the, the full complement of the star um, in the book. Um, there's a couple of different scenarios to play um, with some historical points for this organization. And it's very unique to the clans, and it's unique to Glass Scorpion as well. So um, if you're into the lore, it, it's a very niche thing, but it, it ties some pieces together. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm actually was looking at how, whether I have the, the units available to put it together. Um, I actually already found, a um, an errata that will, that will need to be published to the, to the book to, to get something updated. Um, so no, um, neat little piece of fiction, um, some ready-made scenarios, um, should be, you know, not should be, is a good addition to to the to the lore, and, and we'll see whether we can make some interesting things work from it. So, and that's what I like about some of these niche, you call it, and it's exactly that. It's a small focus on a different unit, a different type of direction, objectives, and it's neat to see. That they're, you know, they've got a unique 
unique story. And that's what really draws people in is unique stories that they can kind of latch on to. And I like it that they have like a unit composition loadout where you get the nitty gritty of like you can get the pieces, you can put them together, but you can run the scenarios, but you can also take that unit composition and then go in a different direction, you know, after the scenarios. Yep. You know, so like, so it gives you it gives you the star as of thirty forty nine. And it gives you the star as of thirty ninety. Um, there's there's a, a little piece in there that um, they did run into and and probably had some run ins with the green um, ghosts, which was a faction that was part of the worldwide event last year. So again, another fringe thing that's happening out in the periphery regions of, of the sphere, but in an intriguing two intriguing units that will now have a tie together through official channels. So there should be some interesting things that we can do with that. I've actually been thinking about trying to, how do I put those things together? Well, definitely. And like you've been saying, like, how do I, do I have the assets and the, the miniatures to make it happen? And you look back at all your collection, like, what can I throw together to make that work? That's just fun, too. I have two vehicles I need to buy. Otherwise, I think I got everything. <laughs> <laughs> always, there's, a, there's always one more thing to find. And that's what's fun about it. It's never ending. I think if there was a time period where I didn't want to get anything new, then there's, there's no hope for me. <laughs> Like, there's always got to be something, some next best thing or some new upcoming thing. Like, like you were talking about new units and tying them together. Like, we've been talking about also the, the broken, the compelling. Yeah. Um, the compelling. AI. Um, AI unit that basically has a dropship and one or two lances or something or a company or whatever the unit composition was that are totally based on an AI computer that you know they had it under control and then it got you know smarter and self-aware and it took over and became a Terminator yeah which is kind of fun like oh yeah Skynet Battletech like sweet but now I can use these as like somewhat of a either perfect or just below perfect type of Op four, where maybe like, oh hey, you want to play? Well, you're gonna play against a bunch of machines that are have no humanity in them. Yeah. Well, well, how am I gonna figure out how they're gonna play? I'm like, aha, <laughs> maybe we can roll random dice to see what they do. I mean, they're always gonna be coming at you, and they're not gonna really, they're not really gonna have to worry about becoming unconscious too much of a heat level. I mean, these are all kind of new things where it's like, um, you think about current military <coughs> uh, assets where, hey, maybe we'll have unpiloted drones. Now you have unpiloted mechs. You just have AI in them. Yeah. The restrictions are gone for having to worry about their center of balance. Their piloting skill may be way different 
Those are neat aspects of. Are we gonna survive this? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it'll become the new apocalypse of BattleTech, where it's not gonna be like the the uh, the lobbies. Maybe it's gonna be the drone battle mechs. Yeah, but at one point in time, I mean, if you have the ability to build something like that, then you, nine chances out of ten, will have the ability to disrupt that that connection. That's right. We'll just nuke it from orbit, you know? <laughs> there's, just to be sure. There's always that aspect, I guess. <laughs> so we had... Um, Speaking of, like, nuking things from orbit, has anybody ever read lore on the topic of, like, all the... You know, you're living in a, a fictional universe of time and space moving at certain speeds and being able to move at, like, 30 light years at a time. What do you think it would be like... What? What kinds of lore have you read that have intrigued you about the space travel? The, the traveling at light or at 30 light years at a time, jump ships, drop ships. Well, the part that has always bothered me when you look at Star Trek, Star Wars, any place where when you're on a ship, you have gravity. You know, that, that has always been something that's been interesting to me. The other aspect is is how you go from impulse to warp speed and not have not have you turn into paste on a, on a wall. Um, <laughs> All right, set up the blender. You know, that acceleration. Granted, <laughs> yeah, you, you can say it's because of gravity, whatever. Um, you know, that's... That's always been an, you know, an, an intriguing thing to me in the Battletech universe is they are constantly having to deal with the absence of gra gravity and then having gravity under one chief of acceleration. Yeah, like dropship burns. Yeah, so or being on a grav deck, you know, a, a way to artificially give you gravity there hasn't been some pie in the sky technology that gives you gravity at all times um, they've had to come up with mechanisms to simulate or how do we work around it um, yeah some kind of Kearney Fujita type thing you know it's, it's very it's very um, Martian-esque you know the movie Martian with uh, Matt Damon Oh yeah, you know I love that. Uh, what is it, the Artemis, or the ship that they were on? You know that had a grav deck, but if you weren't on it, it was weightless. Um, it's the, the those are the you know the little pieces that are intrinsic to the story and, and just to the fiction where it's a lot more relatable. In how do I deal with this, or how would it be if I was in that situation? Or how unbelievable it can be in trying to mesh, mesh them together. Sure. One of my one of my favorite aspects of the lore 
is when they have a misjump. Um, like in... When they were having the Capella Confederation, they had the, uh, the crazy sister, um, Kali. Kali, yeah. And they were doing the, was it the Black May? Bombings, the terrorist bombings with like gas and nerve agents. Releasing the nerve agents. Yep. Yep. And they had that dropship that was in processing of getting ready to come into system and launch a a nerve agent packed or nerve agent carrying uh, fighter aerospace fighter or something, and the pilot and the whole jump ship had a misdrive or had a misjump and the rescue the, the rescue teams were trying to um, find uh, all the the victims on the jump the, the drop ship through the jump ship the drop ship then they get to the aerospace fighter and this pilot is suffering from misjump and he's got his finger on the trigger ready to uh, fire this nerve agent missile or rocket or type of munition, and then basically, you know what happens? He pushes the button, and the whole dropship is basically engulfed in, you know, some type of nerve agent. That's just really interesting to think about what what malfunction and what state are all these people in. And just finished um, Dragon Rising and um, Theodore Kirita, which is the, which would have been the great great grandson of what before Dark Age Theodore Kirita was. He was taking a jump to, I believe, Akamar. Maybe not Akamar. Anyway, he hit. Fortress Republic. He hit the wall. And the ship reappeared at Darien where um, Katana Tormark was at and the ship was completely and utterly twisted into unrecognizable portions in the actual human elements that were on the ship were actually infused into the ship. That's how bad it was twisted. Um, <laughs> stuff of nightmares, right? Exactly, exactly. Just like the, the Black Marauder. <laughs> yeah. That is just crazy. That's like an Event Horizon type movie. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't need eyes to see when we're jumping 30 light years. <laughs> like, whoa, bad trip. And that's an interesting interesting aspect of they, they talk about, you know, like the spacers they talk about how dangerous and risky it is, you know every time they lift off, every time they land, every time they uh, even dock you know, faulty docking collars every time they jump uh, just an interesting aspect of personality, character development the, the focal point the the scope of what's going on, you 
oh, we're gonna, you know, all these jump sh- drop ships are flying up through the atmosphere, and they're gonna go link up to this jump ship, and we're gonna say, go ahead, hit the button, and something's gonna happen, whether it's, you know, flip a coin, good or bad. It's like, hey, we're gonna take all these mechs, you know, and hundreds of thousands of billions of tons of equipment that has almost incalculable amounts of value. And in a blink, we're going to say, yep, send us there. I mean, that is putting a tremendous amount of trust. I mean, if it was not fiction but reality, that's a tremendous amount of trust in just like, yep, we're going there. Uh, you sure we're going to get there? Like, yeah, 98, 99%, yeah. <laughs> or using like a pirate, a pirate point, radar jump point or something. You know, like, eh, we're going to be a little bit closer. Hopefully we miss the asteroid or we don't burn up or skip off the atmosphere. I mean, you know, and then they talk about how they, they, they add... Not only is it just risky and dangerous being in space by itself, then you add the element of an assault or battle or war or munitions or even a satellite out of control. And then you add mass and velocity. It's just amazing to think about. Yeah, like you said, getting your head wrapped around. Hey, we're going to go and try and take over that other ship with ours. And they're going to try and not let us. There are so many things that can go wrong. It almost seems impossible, but we think some things are impossible for you know us to do here on Earth, but yet, you know, in the eyes of imagination, thoughts of what can we put together for a story? I mean, it really captivates and captures you. That's kind of fun. And even when they're talking about, like, in the early days of, uh, you know, the Wolverines, where they start trying to find all of them, and they start, like, the ghost bears just start, like, capturing some, and they just end up spacing them, like, ah. You know, they're no good anyways. We're not going to waste the ammunition. Just stick them in the airlock and hit the button. Like, wow. That I wasn't expecting to read in dialogue. But interesting it is. So along with some of the other um, books and releases that have been coming out, we just recently had the Warrior Unguard Trilogy reprint coming out. That was awesome, huh? I know I was like the first, one of the first people in my area group to say like, hey, hey, they're coming out today. I found them. Oh, there's one missing. Oh, it's coming out in a little bit. Hey, I want them on paperback. I want them on print on demand. Like, I need to get these because you can't find originals anymore. Well, not without spending some money, but yeah. Well, I mean, most people really can't afford that anyways. I mean, I, I know I wouldn't. I couldn't. And then they brought back the Unseens 
artwork on the covers. That was awesome. Yeah, the the recent I mean, the the recent art of the unseen. Yeah, the the whole circular the, thing. Of, the Marauder, yeah. the Phoenix Hawk, the the uh, Warhammer. I mean, they were so good. I mean, I just wanted to eat them up, and I can't wait for more. I mean, checking them on the threads, and you just saw uh, fans talking with the artists like, "Great job, way to go! Thanks for doing that." It's just, they're so good. I was excited to see them, too. <sighs> and they have damage. Like, you know, you, you normally pick up a Battletech book. The mechs are pristine. They have, you know, nice armor. They have nice paint jobs. All the munitions, all the weapons are still there. These are having some damage, like some actual mid-battle damage, and that's just awesome. It's like, oh, I can see the Myrmer strands coming out. I can see the I can see the, the, on the shoulder joint just get tweaked. You know, that is awesome. And that, that is something we really need to continue and get more of. It's really exciting. And I, I am hoping that they reprint more books that cannot find anymore. Like if, like for instance, the Young Guard books or the Warrior Warrior series or trilogy, that if there's a book that you can't find anymore and it's not worth spending an arm and a leg for, reprint it. I mean, you will make money reprinting that. Well, the hope, or the hope just, is just, just doing, right? just doing that, just, Yeah. I mean, there's enough fans out there, I believe. And if you have the fans out there and the word spreads, you'll get even more fans if it continues to build community. Agreed. Okay. What is your favorite type of infantry? That's, for me right now, I mean, if I had to pick something right now, I would just go with the um, Elemental Battle Armor, Clan Elemental Battle Armor. Why? Um, I believe in, in where I'm at is, is it, it satisfies... Um, what I would be looking for in an infantry unit. Um, staying power, enough hitting power. Um, it's light enough, or it's a small enough point value cost to be able to field it, and it hits hard enough where you have to respect it. I, I, I concur as well. I'm, I'm kind of biased as well with you know, having some Some fun with clan elementals that I really enjoy utilizing them. When someone hears at at the tabletop that you're going to bring a point, a star, um, a binary, and it includes elementals, it's like oh shit! And and then you uh, then you actually start utilizing them, and 
then then sometimes the tide turns where it's just like, oh man, I just dropped them off in the wrong spot. Where just hearing about them is, is enough to kind of make you cringe a little bit. But as long as you can utilize them the right way, efficiently, and to maximize, like you said, maximize their their effectiveness, point values, BB. You get them on the board and you get them to the battle, you're fine. I mean, the worst thing you can do with infantry is leave them sit where they're not being used. You need to have mobility, and that's their biggest drawback is mobility. Agreed. Well, yes and no. What else? Um, no, no, what else? Well, I mean, you, you look at what a clan elemental about a point can do versus, you know, uh, a standard foot platoon. Oh, yeah. You know, their catchers is, you know, two-thirds faster, thir- a third faster. I don't I don't remember off the top of my head how fast a, a normal foot infantry moves, but um, just... They hit harder. They have more staying power. Um, they seem to have, you know, better mobility because they can jump. Um, well, and as soon as they swarm, you're in a whole different ball game, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we had that uh, that game of um, when you were down. Was it was it during Thanksgiving, Christmas time? That. Uh, Aaron had taken a, what was it, squads? He had that SRM, SRM platoon, yeah. That's right. And they actually did some business. They got after it, yeah. They got after it until, until our little ambulance got hacked in half by the night sky. Yes. But they started, sorry about they that. started, they started getting, well, you know, we were all at an experimental time of, we don't really know how this is going to turn out, but we're glad we played it because we realized where we were being very safe and where we were being not so protected. So, I mean, obviously, we knew the terrain was going to be the biggest factor and the speed of the units. So, they were just waiting for us to have, like, a, a bad roll of the dice. <laughs> but it was fun watching them get at it. Like, he was excited. He's like, oh, yeah, look what I brought. Yeah, they're going to do some business now. And it was fun. It was fun to see that work. I mean, everything has its 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 job and its, its, its place. And if you get some effectiveness with it, you can, you can do some damage. And it's fun. It's just fun having some, some diversity to the gameplay. So what do you want to see? What do you want to see with infantry or battle armor next? Do you have any? It's one of those units that I don't that I haven't used a lot of. Um, that I'm trying to use more of. Um, so I don't really have an opinion there per se. I mean. <sighs> There's only so far that you can go with battle armor. Um, That's true. 
you know, when you have battle armor and you have vehicles and you have mechs, I mean, they all have their their place on the battlefield and in how you utilize those units versus what you're going up against. I think that's that will be the interesting thing to f- try and figure out is where can I best utilize this particular unit in this particular situation or if they don't fit in this particular situation at least how can I find a way to have them contribute but not end up having to spend a whole bunch of support points or something afterwards to replenish them because they got wasted if you will (laughs) I mean we all kind of waste a lot of BV on Anything we put on the board, especially if it really turns negatively halfway through the game. Just like, I, I remember, yeah, I had I had a couple Mars tanks that I thought, and, and you, you, you believed that you were going to get rolled with them. But little did you know that you forgot about their biggest problem was mobility. And they got stopped. Those Mars tanks got stopped. As soon as, as soon as you got around them, you got around the mobility problem, they got stopped. That is true. I did not expect that to go the way it did. I gotta, I gotta take two minutes. I'll be right back. Okay, guys. Okay. Well, Andrew's out. A couple minutes. Tommy, you and I can talk about one type of aspect of BattleTech we really enjoy is the CCG card game. Yep, correct. And re- recently, what was it, last Thursday night, I went to the game shop, and like, hey, did you bring your decks? I'm like, yes, I did. Like, let's get it on. So we whipped out some uh, some, some card some card decks, 60, 60 card CCG Battletech card decks, and we went to town. And I got schooled, so I think through most of the games, because you've got that, you've been starting to get back into that using little, many little offensive and defensive capabilities can overpower the smaller, the, the, the very few bigger mechs. And that was neat to see. The, uh, I've been taking some of what I, uh, well, of course, uh, for CCG, having a little bit of that magic, uh, the gathering um, interaction with that. So, I've been, uh, I've been taking a little bit of that into my gameplay lately. And uh, I tried it out. At, uh, uh, I've been doing a few things that uh, I don't normally would do. Uh, I hate being a dick and taking away resources. <laughs> um, that was that was like the best part. It, I, I noticed when my face changed when you said like I hate to be a dick, but I'm gonna take your resource away. I'm like, oh. yeah, I. Uh, but it was an awesome play, and and, and that's how I was uh, I was going about it. Um. You do have the counter to my C cube deck. You have the uh, Steel Viper deck that is almost uh, a complete counter to my uh, C cube deck. So, 
Um, it's just too expensive, though. Yours is cheaper a little bit, but I got to pay out the nose. I got to have a lot of working parts for extra deployments with like Vanderbilt or uh, R and D team. R and D team, and also uh, the guy that using. Go ahead. And also using. Um, I can't remember. Utilize, utilizing, yeah, utilizing the R&D team to get that extra deployment. Every turn. And card draw. And card draw, you're right. Card draw, extra deployment, and then picking out a Battle Cobra that does, you know, five base damage with two extra overheat to get seven so I can pair them up, you know, Two battle cobras doing like fourteen total with overheat to kill just about anything. Uh, assault mechs, you know, be wasted. <clears throat> and that one guy that allows you to put your mission cards back to your hand. Paraguard Zelman. He uh. Yep. He's pretty critical. Pulling missions cards, pulling mission cards from your scrappy, put them back your hand. And also, Rystar Mech Warriors. Using your missions cards, putting them back in your hand if you get like a, a high die roll. Otherwise, you still lose them. Uh, those are pretty effective. And using um, uh, merchant cast and getting uh, your resources out for basically free. That is huge as well. So I know increasing your. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go. I was saying that. Uh, I know that. Uh, I was using Michael Ryan to steal your stuff that I was killing off, too. So, like, uh, I had Michael Ryan out, and then I uh, killed your merchant cast, and then I took that. So, Oh, yeah. And the best part is when you, like, get done, and then the game's over, like, oh, hey, here, you can have this back. It's like, oh, twist the knife. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the three decks that I got, the uh, Invading Clans and um, a Liao deck. I like the Liao deck because I don't play the Subterfuge too often. and um, But that C-Cube deck I don't play too often because I have to be a royal deck to play it. So. Yeah, that C-Cube deck is pretty awesome. Um. Even the, the C3 vehicles, um, one of those tanks. Oh, it starts with a peep. Paladins? No. Like, no. They're the 3058 model. Yeah, I can't think of them right now. Pegasus? Either way. Yes. No, no. No, that's a mech. No, it's Pegasus is a hovercraft. Is it? Mm-hmm. All right. Either way, I mean, matching up mechs and armor with C-Cube, and then, I mean, you really could, you really could throw in, like, a few missiles in long range, but just just having that, you know, extra two damage added on per mech as soon as it's paired with another one, oh, it's killer. Well, uh, a thing that's critical in my deck is I took... All 
every uh, all the cards in it combined doesn't need munitions. Yes, I mean if you can if you can make a deck where it utilizes the least amount of assets, the assembling munitions, tactics, politics, logistics. If you can get rid of as many of those as you can, or say all you need is assembly and tactics, I mean, you are cutting out a lot of risk where you're missing an asset that you need that you don't want to pay out the nose for to, to substitute it with extra resources if you don't have the asset. <coughs> it's so much fun. So what, what is, which one of those decks is your favorite that you have? Ooh. I like the Invading Clans, but like I said, my CQ deck is a dickish deck, so. I, I think your CQ deck is the most unique. I think it's the most fun to play because it has that synergy. It does. I agree. <laughs> I like with like I've tried to make like a Comstar deck with with like uh, adding um, the the Curita High Command where it gives all your vehicles or all all your all your units or mechs um, C cubed. It's not as easy. I mean, you, you're really you're really dependent on certain cards, but if you can have all C cubed mechs, anyways, I mean, if, if everything has the elements required without you adding or needing to add certain cards or have that one card or multiple of the you know six you're allowed to have in, in any deck. It's, it's pretty pivotal. Oh, that tank is called a partisan. Good job. Partisan thirty fifty eight. Yep. Bad Mamma Jammer. So we're getting to be down the list here. We only got like two left. So let's go back to um, drilling and pinning your miniatures. We've just started to get into that. I know, Andrew, you've probably done a lot more in the past, haven't you? Almost always at this point. And what are you, what are you using for your drilling and pinning process? Uh, I've got a hand. I got a hand drill, but I also use my drill. I have a drum and times quite a bit for various different things. Now, is that a variable speed where you can slow it down to? Yeah, I've got I've, I've got a, a hand one that goes on that goes on it as well. So that's right. That's that's nice. It allows you to give you a lot more positive control. Oh, absolutely. I would not. I don't know how effective it would be without that. It, it would probably turn into a spinning mech on a. On a drill. <laughs> potential. Be good potential, yes. And I, I started, I picked up a, a hand drill from, uh, what was that company name? Games and um, Gears? Cit Citadel. I picked up a Citadel hand drill, and uh, I've been starting that with a, a black ha a blackjack, uh, Omnimac. I've started uh, that process with for my first... Uh, drilled and pinned, and it's going slow. I think I am going to try and 
pushed up to um, either a hand uh, a cordless drill or a, a Dremel with, like, say, a wand. I have a Dremel that I could add one to. I've, I have, I've used my cordless drill as well. It works fine. You know, as long as you can keep that drill bit straight on, you know, three axes, as long as you can get that hole straight, like, through, like, the both arm sockets or one arm socket or, you know, the hips or something, or the torso, whatever. You're, and I started to think about it, like, well, if I'm going to do the blackjack omni, if I can get a hole all the way through to both arm sockets, maybe I can tie the two arms together where they both raise and lower at the same time on one pinned axle. I've tried to do that, or I've thought about trying to do that, especially in some backs with the hip joints and stuff, and it just, it, it gets to be kind of difficult to try and figure out how do I make sure that this stays straight all the way through. Right. How does it stay straight, but also, yeah, because you're not going to, you really can't make like a fixture for that, and you're just doing extra work anyways, and just doing every every joint individually is probably the safest way. Well, that's, that's what I've been doing as of late. And then for the pins, you just use uh, just the, the, box of, uh, the paper texture and paper, paper clips. And I just straighten the paper clips out cut off as big a piece as I need. There you go. Look at it split. Tommy, you've been working on a, a big old gigantic triple legger mac um it, it's a uh, super heavy yeah um trying to think of the name right now yep there we go i'm i, I got the uh the feet pinned already to the legs um so i'm taking it step by step i don't want to screw it up so yeah, it's I, I I feel your pain of like um I'm gonna do this like really slow and I can just I can just see all the the pewter shavings come off out of the the socket as I hand drill. It's just like I going too fast. I going too far. Yeah, I uh, I ended up buying oh, just, some just drill uh, Dremel um drill bits, some smaller ones. Hopefully, I can get a better fit with the uh, paper clips that I was using. So, and that's the thing too, like matching up size for ID for you know inner dimension or the inner diameter or outer diameter of the paper clip versus the inner diameter of the drill bit or the hole you're drilling. Give yourself some leeway where you can put some glue in there too. Yeah. Not quite like baking a cake, but sure makes it pretty miniature if you take your time and try and do it and learn from other people, you know, what's what's worked well for them and what doesn't. It's always fun too. Finding out and learning. Now has anybody lost Alright, is it during some of these winter months, do you find it easier to, to get back into working with miniatures and tabletop? I mean, do you, sometimes do you feel like it's kind of seasonal where you get into or out of the, the tabletop gaming? 
<laughs> Mine always seems to be closer to convention. The more shit I got to get done. <sighs> yes. Yeah. I totally in agreement there where it's like, oh no, I need to like redo all of my cadet and my, you know, beta regiment because I need to figure out what the, the, uh, I need to figure out how the, the, the BBs changed, the PBs changed for, um, the, uh, master unit list. Like, is it going to work? Am I going to have some of the pilot skill there? You know, can I can I tweak this, improve, decrease, or do I need to change out a whole lance? And that's that's, that's been kind of been in the back of my mind. And I've been toying with uh, master unitless trying to figure out what I can get and still maintain like a a dragoon style beta unit. Two hundred ninety points. That's the that's the magic number right now. Yeah, that's what we're definitely working with, especially what you get in the uh, with like the lance packs um, and giving yourself some some movement, fire support, brawlers, and still some skill. But that pretty much kind of wraps it up. You guys got anything else you want to talk about? Nope. Finito. Well, <laughs> to all you listeners, um, we're very thankful that uh, we have the opportunity to do this podcast. And we want to thank you for listening and uh, sharing and um, giving feedback. Always give us some feedback. And uh, you guys have any shout outs? Um, damn it, I had one. I don't remember who it was, <laughs> so I apologize. Uh, I think it was, was it Zachary? Hold on. Had one guy, one guy to the WolfNet forum, he was asking, when the hell is the next uh, podcast going to go up? <clears throat> and to address that, we're, uh, we're working at trying to get a better process of editing because we, we, we have we have no problem recording uh, the Wolfnet Radio podcast. However, getting the editing done in a timely manner is uh, not working so well. So we are educating ourselves and we are working with others to help us uh, get that process more efficient and accurate. Yeah, that's probably, that's by far our biggest stumbling block. So. Yeah, we suck at editing, <laughs> so we are we're enjoying the aspect of, this is bad, we're going to fix it, we need to learn how, and we just need some time to get that rectified. And without anything else, then, listeners, thank you for listening, and... Uh, Appreciate your time. You can reach us at uh, Andrew. Where can they reach us at? Uh, WNRP at WolfStragoons.com or on our Facebook page, uh, Wolf, WolfNet Radio Podcast. 
So with that, send us your responses. And uh, thank you for listening tonight, and have a pleasant tomorrow. Thank you all. Good night. Thank you. Good night.